0: What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm here to tonight with the Braden. How's it going, sir?
1: It's really good. Uh, just uh, have taken off of work for the uh, remainder of the year. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, we got a lot of good games to talk about, uh, even a little bit better for Arsenal. So this is going to be uh, it's going to be familiar, but a little bit different than recent territory for me
0: yeah it'll definitely be interesting so let's not waste time let's get into it if you want to give a heads up of the betting results that uh were not so great given who we bet on but results nonetheless and then we'll get into the
1: games yeah so it was really bad this week um just a lot of matches that uh kind of had a lot of fi- fine margins and a lot of draws this week and maybe that should be something that we expect more in midweek games um but you know, it was it was just really pretty bad. Uh, I somehow managed to get the draw in Man City West Brom right, um, and Man United and Sheffield right, and that was that was the only thing that the two of us got. So I returned three forty eight twenty six on an outlay of a thousand pod bucks. I just it, yeah. yeah, twenty a twenty five dollar bet and a fifty dollar bet on a thousand is not going to get you a whole lot. So. <laughs> It was a rough week for us, but and like we said, lots of draws, lots of lots of unpredictable scorelines, and you know that
0: happens sometimes with three-way money, money lines. Yeah, and talking about unpredictable uh, storylines, let's get into it. The first game, Wolverhampton Wanderers taking on Chelsea at home. Um, not a lot of hope at the time when we talked about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, it felt like you know, at best, they'll get a draw out of this. But they kind of turned up and second half especially. I mean, Nuno seems to be a very good, you know, in-game tactician. And along with that, uh, Chelsea just kind of was stupid. Like their defensive frailties are still there. Kai Havertz, I mean, he's he's supposed to be 75 million, but off with everything going on, kind of feel bad for him. Timo Warner not playing well. And the, the Chelsea team, when they lose, it seems like nobody's talking about them as much, but they went from being second to seventh. So uh, it's quite the downfall that does not seem to get any more encouraging for them right now. Yeah, and I think that's indicative of kind of where the table
1: is right now. There's a whole lot of, it's a very compressed table and you know one weekend can drastically change perception on things if you're looking at that too closely. And I I think this was a pretty good example of uh, Chelsea is, doing a lot of good things. So if you look at the XG for this game, Chelsea was about 1.5 and Wolves at around 0.7. And Chelsea were I, I don't want to say better because you know Chelsea missed some chances. Um, but you know Chelsea were mostly in control until they weren't. And then Hoden's really showed that he's a player that's uh really blossoming with a little bit more uh focus on the attacking side uh possibly uh with Jimenez out uh, but he really, uh, not just the goal, but all of the game, uh, I felt like he had a lot of you know, technical quality to keep the ball and relieve a little bit of pressure and really kind of took the game over, I felt like.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to be fair to Chelsea, I, they did have their chances and just could not put the game to bed. And Wolves are one of those teams. If you cannot put them away, they can come back and bite you. And that's ultimately, for me, what ended up happening it, it, the only thing I really had a problem with as far as Chelsea were concerned was the way they played those last five to seven minutes. Cause it felt like they almost, I mean, they were going to try to win the game, but it felt like, you know, they were leaving spaces in the back and pretty wide open spaces that ended up being the reason that they uh, conceded. And it, it it just did not sit very well with me because it felt like they almost had a lack of respect for Wolves. But maybe that's kind of the mentality that Lampard wants to instill. So we'll see. They got tough games coming up, as I said. So we shall see how that goes. What's up, Bryn?
1: Yeah, so I was going to say, it's also, do you find it a little concerning for this Chelsea squad that they've got all this attacking talent and the only one that seems to be able to consistently get in positions to score is Olivier Giroud?
0: The way I look at that, to be honest, is there's a lot of pressure to win, right? Because of how much they've spent. And I think because of that, the results really matter. And I think when you need results and you have a Giroud kind of a player, you kind of go with him. You know, he's better than Tammy. He's, uh, I mean, more of a goal threat currently than Timo Werner. So I think that's primarily the reason he's playing. But again like with all these signings we said it even back when they were making these signings that uh, some of them just don't fit together and I feel like that is something you're seeing I hope Havertz works out works out for them I hope the players like don't really uh, throw away their careers or something but it it does seem like a situation right now where Lampard needs to do better as far as results go because you know Chelsea fans want more results and demand more results rightfully so having what they've spent and I just don't know if uh, the next three games for me, I mean, I'm going to keep deferring to that because they have West Ham coming up, they have Arsenal coming up, they have uh, Man City coming up. It needs character after these two back-to-back losses for them to come back and, you know, beat these teams. West Ham's not going to be easy. For all the jokes, we're going to preview that and then the subsequent game. So I think Lampard's got a big task ahead of him and we'll see how he responds.
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair. It's a, There's a lot of pieces that I think still need
0: to figure out where exactly they fit exactly and i mean given the preseason and everything i do feel a little bit for lampard but you know um, nowadays in football i was going to say just chelsea but like nowadays in football in general you don't get a lot of time to set up a team so we shall see what happens uh, as this season uh, goes along in the next couple of weeks because we'll have a lot of games coming up a game that had manchester city favorites at minus 1000 and the draw at plus 1000 uh Man City against West Brom. West Brom came out to play. Bilic uh, got the sack right after the game, which was kind of uh, wild to me. But as far as Manchester City go, they—if you don't have a striker, but you have amazing players, you go. If you're the world-class coach that everybody says you are, you have to adjust to that, right? Like I do not—I I do not understand how nobody's talking about Pep Guardiola this season and what's uh, the way he's faltered so far. It's really
1: hard uh, not to agree with that because I just... This is a City team that constantly got in positions to score and constantly missed chances. The The XG of this game was 2.5 to 0.2. Uh, and, and just City only getting one goal out of this uh, should be really alarming because all of those chances aren't going to end up to, at Aguero's feet when he gets back. It's, it's not just a simple matter of Aguero comes in and, and fixes this. Like, Jesus is theoretically a striker and played 90 minutes and, and didn't really get the job done. And so I think it's really concerning for this City team. It's kind of if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't do something incredible, I, it does. you don't really see how it's going to happen for this
0: team right now. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up Kevin De Bruyne, but at the same time, I think I'm looking at Sergio Aguero, that they're really missing right now. Sterling, you still have Riyad Mahrez. You know, the, these players are still playing for you and they're world-class players. You paid world-class money for them. So, like, just because you don't have a number nine, like, bro, United has, hasn't has had a number nine since fucking Zlatan left, I guess, since Lukaku left, but, you know, uh, that it is what it is. So, like, you have to adjust. Like, and, and I think for a manager like Pep Guardiola, nobody's talking about what's going on. And it is kind of crazy to me. I guess you do cut him a little bit of a slack because we know that he can do amazing things. But at the same time, we've talked about this. This is something we haven't seen them really do before. Him, especially, do before where he has to rebuild the team. It's going to be very, very interesting, I think, what happens. But uh, Manchester City, as things stand, uh, do not look good because they're three points behind United right now. And I mean, both of them have game in hand. But being three points behind United going into a derby is was pretty wild. Uh, one point behind at the time, but now even more so. So it'll be very, very interesting to see whether Pep can, in my opinion, come, bring this team back. I have said interesting a lot because I'm very interested in what happens in Manchester City. Um, as far as West Brom goes, it was kind of wild to see Pillage get sacked. To be honest, real quick, like first manager did not expect him to be the first manager sacked. Did not expect it to last until mid-December uh, to see the first manager sacked. Well, you have Chris Wilder there with a point in 13 games. So what did you make of it? I think Big Sam's coming in. Um, what is your opinion of West Brom right now?
1: It's a little nuts that he got sacked after beating City, I feel like. it's I, And, you Growing know... Beating City. W- yes, well, you know, kind of beating City when you're <laughs> West Brom. Um, but it, it's it, it's just odd to me of the timing, but, I mean, clearly they had made their decision and they were going to stick to it, and what happened in this match didn't really have much impact on anything. I, I kind of get it. I don't think... Br- West Brom have been that good this year. Like we've said many times, they look like they're going uh, straight back down. So I kind of understand going in with the quote unquote proven guy in Allardyce. And and I heavily, heavily sarcastic quote that because I I don't, I don't know that that's going to be good enough for this team, but I, you know, we'll see. It's, There is some talent on this team, and and they might be able to pull out of this, but I I was very surprised that Bilic was the first and that it it is kind of late when you think about it. But that's probably a late start to the season, COVID, all, all that sort of thing as
0: well. Yeah, I agree with that. So we shall keep an eye out on what happens with West Brom in the upcoming weeks. I mean, I will say they have players who can... Do things, and maybe uh, the next team we're about to talk about their form being relegation threatened uh, and Big Sam being free kind of made them, uh, you know, be proactive. Because if Arsenal did get into that relegation battle, Big Sam was definitely coming. Uh, it's talking about Arsenal 1 1 against Southampton, another red card in this game. One of the, I mean, this is one of the ones that I'm just like, it wasn't really that, as bad. Like, the record looks bad right now, but, like, what had happened previously, this rec rec card, I felt, was a bit harsh. But um, Southampton are a good team. We knew that going in. The uh, Arsenal looked decent, in my opinion. Looked a lot better than I have seen them in the recent weeks. But, again, you have to win this game at the end of the day. And uh, I know we have said before, your season is not made uh, by a game. But this one... I think the short character will see what happens in the upcoming weeks with Arsenal, but the point is uh, a lot better than a loss at home again. I have to agree with that.
1: And I do think, uh, to touch on the red card real quickly, I I do think that this was kind of an effort red card and not just a you're an idiot red card that Pepe and Shaka both got. And so I have a lot more time and patience for that, especially for Gabriel who has... Been our best center back so far this year, but people have kind of forgotten that he's 22, and so it's it's still very young in terms of experience for a center back. So I, I think he got baited a little bit uh, by the physical battle with Shea Adams earlier for his first one, and especially when he kicked the ball away. It was kind of like, all right, well, no, you're you're getting a yellow for that. And then you know sometimes you see refs not give that second yellow, but it, it was probably the correct call. I felt like, and you know, he just kind of caught out a bit, which is something he'll learn from and he'll be fine. I feel like Gabrielle also did this against Manchester United and also had a moment. I think, was it Mason that he took, yeah. that he took down and it was kind of maybe he could have gotten sent off and he got a little lucky that time and didn't get lucky this time. And I think that's kind of the story of this red card
0: i agree and i think overall you got to take the point when it came because southampton man they are a very decent team i as much as i want to harp on that arsenal needed to win the game it this game showed me just enough that like i think arteta with maybe a little bit more time uh, an attacking midfielder uh would be i think better but at the same time uh, you don't get that kind of time and the game's coming up it's not going to be easy
1: yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And I, I would also just like to add that I have never in my entire time watching Arsenal been so sure that Theo Walcott was going to score one-on-one with
0: the keeper. Damn. Uh, and for everybody out there, I I thought everybody was being ridiculous, being like, oh, even he's celebrating against Arsenal. I'm like, bro, he's a Southampton kid. Yeah. Like, yes, he came to Arsenal, like, but he's a Southampton lad, you know, so... Uh, that, that's that and we shall see how the season progresses for them a team the season had progressed really terribly and seemed to have kind of fallen off the cliff of that title challenge they had after the first couple of games Everton seems to have a resurgent uh attitude towards their season right now with the back-to-back wins against Chelsea and now against Leicester they're starting to remind me of when Wolves first came up and I'm not saying Everton looked like a newly promoted team but Wolves first came up and really were a trouble against all the big teams but they really did could not break down a lot of the other teams and Everton I mean Leicester just fell the fuck apart in this game and good job on Everton for winning Mason Holgate played really well in my opinion um one to watch out for and Outside of that, don't really have a lot to say. When Jamie Vardy isn't scoring those 0.02 xG goals, it's really hard to win.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a good call, and it's worth uh, it's worth mentioning that both of Everton's best chances as as match one they scored, one they didn't, were off of corners. Uh, just they get the ball in the right spot and they've got the guys who can who can head it in from there and I think that's kind of why they're very good against the top teams is because a lot of top teams are I think playing less of a set pieces long ball game than the rest of the English like traditional English structure that some of the lower teams have and I, I think it's really working for them when they play the the big teams like there's a lot of you know, center backs that are that have a lot of technique on the ball, distribute that sort of thing. But, you know, you you have a corner and that doesn't matter. It's just being physical and beating someone in the box. And Everton's very, very good at that. And I an, another set piece goal for this team. They're very good at
0: this, just like Southampton are. Yeah, I very much agree. And I think the quality of Everton is kind of evident in games like this when they're thin margins and they have just enough to sometimes come back and win but um leicester man this is the problem with a brendan rogers team in my opinion it gets hard at times to really see this coming but i i don't know if he's gonna make top four but at the same time just because of how crazy the season is i like i can't write them off completely you know I agree with that. I think it's going to be really hard for a lot of teams to make top four. I, I
1: think there's going to be a lot of teams in that conversation, a lot more than there usually are come April or May or so. And so I I, I don't want to say it's a free hit or anything like that, but I think that you know, it, it's going to be really tough, and there's going to be a lot of teams there uh, competing for the Champions League spots.
0: I agree, and uh, I think there are a lot of teams competing for that Europa League spot as well. So a team that is definitely going to try to put their name into contention, playing the way that they do, where Leeds United, preparing for the Rose Bowl, be coming up 5 to win against Newcastle United. Um, I mean, when you attack Newcastle and they don't have an answer, like, this is what happens. And some of the goals that fucking um, Leeds scored, Zach Harrison was balling out of his mind with the goal and the assist. So... I mean, can't do anything when you come up against a team like that, especially you not know, when you're Newcastle. I would say they had a couple of chances, but at the same time uh, leads were just too good for them. Yeah, I agree with that. And this is
1: a Leeds team that creates a lot of chances. And when things are going right, they can just bury you. Uh, it happened. I, I think it was the Aston Villa game where uh, Bamford had a hat trick. And it's just like, they just get so many chances. And if it, if, if it's coming, if they have their shooting boots on, uh, Leeds can really put a big score on you uh, and, and it doesn't matter who you are. But, you know, Newcastle, uh, I think they're fine to move on to the next fixture and, and just try to get points from there. I don't I think they're just scraping enough points to not get relegated and they're going to be happy with that. Um, but a really strong performance from Leeds in this game.
0: Yeah, very much agree. And uh, I think the next game, the less we talk about, the better it would be because Brighton against Fulham. Uh, these are games Brighton need to win. They just don't at the end of the day. And this is why they are in the situation. They are expected points tell me that they should be in the top six. And then they don't finish. They don't have good enough finishing up front. They play really good football. I'll take the Tyreek Lamptey uh, clean sheet bonus points on fantasy, but it's, it's just not working for them right now.
1: Yeah, I have to agree, and this was a little bit of a divergence from some of the from some of the bright matches we talked about earlier, where they're really good on XG and then don't finish. Uh, this Fulham Fulham almost doubled their expected goals in this match, and Fulham are really looking like a better squad than they were at the beginning of the season, where we were we basically all said Scott Parker's the first manager fired uh, four games in or so, and. They're looking to like they're turning a corner there. And Brighton, this has got to be really concerning for them. It's, it's, it's one thing when you're creating a lot of chances and missing them. It's, it's a very different one when you're also not creating that much and, and not getting any luck there. And so I'm starting to get pretty concerned about Brighton, and I, I'm not going to make any large bets on Brighton like I did this past week
0: yeah definitely agree but good on fulham though uh i was very harsh on them early on in the season and it seems like they have finally figured a way out to make things work uh moving on to the big game of the midweek fixtures liverpool against tottenham uh kind of did not could not really uh really believe that these were the two teams at the top of the table for fuck's sake but um they were and that is the game we ended up watching and I will give you my take, and I would love for you to tell me that I'm wrong. I know Mourinho came out and said the better team lost, and people are like, oh, he's crazy, it's anti-football, this and that. In my eyes, Liverpool did not really create that many clear-cut chances. Bergwijn takes his chances. We're talking a whole different game, in my opinion. And yes, they took a lot of shots. A lot of them were straight at Hugo Lloris. Liverpool showed their class at the very end. This is what champions do. When you don't put them away, when you have had the chances, they will hurt you. And Firmino, good on you. Scored your annual goal at Anfield. Uh, we'll see you next year. But, the, I mean, Liverpool didn't look that impressive. But And then Spurs didn't really set out to do a whole lot. But I felt like there was a game plan that showed how to beat Liverpool in a way that, you know, maybe other teams replicated. But Bergwijn kept finding him, himself in space, going up against Trent, and just could not finish.
1: Yeah, I mean when you go up against Trent, you should have chances and like you said he just wasn't able to finish them. So uh, to your point, Spurs are actually ahead of Liverpool and expected goals in this match. Uh Liverpool took more shots, uh but they were all kind of low quality shots and Spurs are kind of a team that lots of people are like oh they have no possession, like they just go and counter, but it's like they're set like their entire team is set up to give them these types of looks on the counter attack. And so people shouldn't act surprised when Spurs have 30% possession, but a few really good chances out of that, this is what they're trying to do. And so, you know, it's, it's not like Liverpool playing their hands or anything. I mean, Liverpool take a lot of shots and not all of them are good shots, but they have the quality to, to score some of these low percentage chances. And so, there's a lot of us, especially most Salah. Like if you watch Salah, Salah will take two or three shots that you just wonder what in the hell is he doing in this game and then just bang one off a of volley from 20 yards out. And you're like, oh, well, that that's why he takes these
0: shots because he can do that. Yeah, I mean, and th- that is the way Liverpool like to play. And, you know, it's kind of hard to fault them given the run they're on at Anfield and everything. But I think you're starting to see a few cracks in that armor. We'll see if... I mean, Aston Villa exploited that big time, but we'll see if other teams can keep doing the same. I still think Tottenham are probably going to be up there. Yes, a lot of people are talking about the efficiency of Kane and Son on, and maybe it not sustaining for a very long time. But we've seen crazier things happen. I I don't know if they're going to win the league. I was... Uh, or which amongst these two, I think Liverpool are firm favorites between these two. But I do see a future where... Spurs against Liverpool in their worst fixture at the Tottenham stadium is going to be a proper ship ball.
1: Yeah, I agree with that and I I do kind of wonder where the Spurs team is going to finish up because I the the strong chances and efficiency that Kane has is not by accident. That is how this is designed to go in in this offense. Son has had some goals that are just Like kind of alice world and he's a great finisher but you just don't think that he's going to finish that every single week and so maybe there's some concern there but as far as kane goes i think that's kind of by design and that that's this offense working as it's intended
0: i agree and uh, we shall see how that continues for both of them uh moving on to the next game west ham one crystal palace one uh Again not a game I had a lot to say about West Ham played well Crystal Palace are a decent team and I'll come back to this when I'm talking about United but um I mean it was pretty evenly balanced in my opinion and it is what it is for these two teams I think they are very similar yet different at the same time in terms of who their important players and their possessions but uh overall a fair reflection in my opinion Yeah I think that's I think that's pretty accurate like this is two teams that
1: kind of went at each other and neutralized them. We talked about Declan Rice potentially being able to control Zaha, and I, I feel like that's a lot of what happened in this game. Not, I mean, not just Declan Rice, the entire West Ham defense, but uh, I think Zaha was pretty isolated for most of this match and didn't really have that much do. He had one shot in the second minute and it was blocked like it, they pretty much isolated that and if you do that you have a really good shot at getting a result against crystal palace uh, interesting game for benteke a goal and a red card um not ideal but it's you know it, it, is, yeah, it he is yeah yeah fair enough that's something he hasn't done a whole lot recently so i suppose we'll take it
0: yeah and zaha probably was like what the fuck are you getting sent off um I, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that as far as that game goes. Another game that kind of very much disappointed me, um, Aston Villa taking on Burnley, nil-nil draw. Um expected better from Aston Villa with Grealish and you know everything that he'd done this season, but Ollie Watkins looked decent. But again, Burnley are Burnley, and they look like they're starting to you know grind up the results the way they normally do those 1-0. They got their 1-0 against Arsenal, so they didn't really need to excuse me open up a whole lot so nil nil probably uh, what burnley wanted not what aston villa wanted but uh, i i would assume that uh, not a lot of people were you know too thrilled about the result
1: yeah i think burnley are perfectly happy uh, to take this nil nil uh, villa had a lot of chances uh, there was a couple probably the best one was uh, watkins reacted to a Ball coming to him and and put it on target and and cleared off the line. And that was probably the best chance in this match. Uh, But Villa had a lot of chances and just didn't put any away. And that's kind of, that's not been the Villa that we've seen so far this year. They've been been a better team as far as, um, you know, putting away the chances they've had and such so far this year. And so I, I think it's probably just a blip. But, you know, like you said, this is what Burnley are trying to do. They want to grind out the draws
0: and they're perfectly happy with that. Yeah. And, uh, I think credit to Sean Dice, seems to have, you know, figured it out again on how to uh, get these sorts of results. Moving on to the final midweek game that we saw a thriller at, uh, Bramall Lane, Sheffield United to Man United to Dean Henderson, uh, absolutely gifting Sheffield United a goal in the first couple of minutes probably felt bad. Was like, Hey, you guys are friends, you know, you haven't scored a whole lot. Here you go. Uh, gave him a goal, uh, it, it bounced back well at the 86th minute when he made a very, very good save. Rashford, I felt like really showed his class. Pogba showed his class. I mean, I am not going to go overboard the way a lot of fans of a blue-wearing team went when they started to beat, uh, you know, these bottom-tier teams. I was happy with the three points. Just yeah, I'm just going to say I was happy with the three points. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it did not matter how it came. Leeds coming up, onto the next game, you go.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like United just need to get three points from this match, and that's, that's really the only focus. And it's good to see Rashford get back on the score sheet. I, I feel like he's had kind of a slow
0: start to the season uh, overall. You, you know what? I love that you say that because I was going to point this out later, but I'm just going to say it now. It seems like he's had a slow start. He's got 12 goals already. Is that including? That's not just in the Premier League, in, right? It's it's all competitions. Okay, but twelve goals so far That's is strong. Not a bad return, to be honest, for somebody <laughs> yeah, that you know still hasn't gotten going. So
1: yeah, for sure. If he does get going, man, watch out. Um, but it, it, I guess it just feels like in the Premier League, like he hasn't really got. I mean, it's like Eddie Nketiah is the leading goal scorer for Arsenal right now, and I think one of those is in the Premier League. Um, but it's it, I feel like uh, this is a game that United just needed to win. I feel like, like you said, it's good for Dean Henderson to recover from a mistake as well because, uh, you know, that that's kind of the real test of a goalkeeper, right? Is just, you know, you got to have a short memory. You've got to, you know, shake off mistakes and get right back in there. And I think he showed himself well for this.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, will, I will say this too. There were a lot of United fans who were fucking going berserk about Dean Henderson. I was like, why was... They heir not playing a blind. And I, I will just say this, man. The heir first season looked fucking horrible when he first came to the Premier League. And for those like people really talking trash about Dean Henderson, like he made these mistakes last year. He made a similar mistake against Liverpool last year, if I'm not wrong. So it, it's part of having a young goalkeeper. And I think um, that he brings in a good mentality, and we shall see how that continues. But um, quick point as far as the team goes, if you're a United fan, it all depends on your perspective – of martial and mason greenwood they each have one goals one goal each in the premier league two goals combined and if you believe that they can rediscover last year's form then you can go a bit nuts of what you think about this team i don't know if they recover but it does seem like a very good place to be five points behind uh league leaders liverpool with a game in hand which you know, kind of adds its own benefits and uh, negative points. So we will come back to that. We will talk a lot more about the upcoming games this weekend. It's gonna be fun. And for those wondering, we have had to kind of change our schedule a little bit because of the festive fixtures, so that we can give you proper content. Uh, we will see how we can get more content next week. Might be a little bit hard, but we will keep you posted about that. Having said that, join us back on the second segment where we preview all the weekend's upcoming games. All right, back with the second segment of this podcast. We have the upcoming weekend's games. We'll just give you a quick preview of all the games instead of just giving our words. We like to put some pod bucks where our mouth is and uh, gonna bet on a three-way money line. We get a thousand bucks for a dollars per each uh, fixture out there. So ten games, thousand dollars and we are going to get started with Crystal Palace at plus 475 taking on Liverpool at minus 180 draw at plus 345 over unders at 3 it could have been Ben Teke's revenge game but uh, seems like he made sure to get home early in this game so we'll see
1: yeah i think this is uh, this is a little bit of a tough one to go with because i don't like the Liverpool uh, line here at minus 180 and it's tough for me to see a way that Palace win this match. And Now, maybe there's some Palace-Liverpool hoodoo that can can be a thing, but I'm going to go with 50 on Liverpool in this match. I just I think that this team has a good thing going with their players right now, and I think that they're on a good enough run they can keep going. I'm not going to bid more just because of the line, and it's
0: not going to return much, um, but we'll start there. All right, uh, I'm going to put down 50 on Crystal Palace in this game just because I think the way Crystal Palace play can cause a little bit of trouble uh, as far as Liverpool's defense is concerned. They played a very emotional big game against uh, Tottenham, so we'll see if they can carry on as everybody expects them to in this game. Uh, Moving on to the next game, this should be an absolutely cracking game. Southampton taking on Manchester City. Southampton coming in at plus 550 the draw uh the manchester city line is minus 210 the draw at plus 370 Overunders at three it kind of feels surreal to see man city and liverpool lines that where even if you bet on them it could make sense if you think they're actually good yeah and i
1: uh, to go back to this i think you left out man city there for a reason uh because with this with this line here i i can't see me taking uh city here at minus 210 especially after a draw against west Brom. i think southampton are a much better team and i i think they'll get their chances here against city um so i'm going with 75 on southampton uh with this line you don't need to bet a lot for it to make sense uh because at plus 550 if it if it hits for anything uh, you've got a you've got a pretty good return there um
0: so i'm going with that i'm not such a believer in the city team right now yeah i agree with that i'm going to put down 50 on southampton as well just because i i think city might just turn up and destroy them there's a very good likelihood just because of the way uh, southampton play but it seems like one of those seasons where it's going to be close and i hope that uh, they do something because if southampton wins this game we will have a lot to talk about next week because that'll just be good for the podcast uh moving on to the next game. Everton at home at plus one forty five. Resurgent after back to back wins. Arsenal resurgent after a draw at plus one ninety. Draw at plus two forty five. Over under is a two and a half. What's up, Braden?
1: So this is really tough for me to consider again. I, when I think of Everton, I think of a team that's good on set pieces. And surprisingly, Arsenal have been very good on set pieces, at least defending them so far this year. I think they only conceded one, and that was the own goal uh, that Abba scored against uh, Burnley. So I think this is a really interesting match between these two. I'm not so much worried about pacing behind, which is the weakness of Arsenal, because uh, I don't know that this Everton team really have that much of that uh but i am concerned that our set pieces might get worse without gabriel so i'm going with 75 on the draw in this match i think these two teams play pretty evenly and um i think arsenal will maybe rediscover now that we've scored an open play goal for the first time in 10 years um
0: maybe we'll uh try it again yeah that uh would be a great great idea i'm um- for this game, I'm going to put 100 on Everton just because I think without Gabriel uh, for this game, Dominic Calvert-Lewin brings a skill set that Arsenal really don't like playing against, which is being good in the air. And if they can just get balls into him, I think Arsenal could be in for a tough time again in, in defensively. But there is experience there, so we'll see what happens. I'm going to put down $100 on Everton. To win the game, just because I think they are on form, the better team, and maybe just maybe they might just have the better players on the day. Having said that, let's move on to a game that is not going to be as exciting, in my opinion. Newcastle United plus one sixty taking on Fulham, a plus one eighty five to draw at plus two twenty five overunders, again at two and a half. I don't know what to really make of this game because Fulham kind of have rediscovered something, and Newcastle all of a sudden. I mean, that Leeds game was bad. So if if Fulham tried to come out, press them, and play like that, it could get very interesting against Newcastle.
1: So I agree with that, but I also think that Fulham can't really come out and press you like Leeds do. Like I just don't think that's something that they can really do. Um, And I do think that, like like we kind of mentioned in the review, Leeds are a team that do often create a lot of chances and on their day can put them away. And I don't know that Fulham create chances quite like that. Uh, so I'm going with 150 on Newcastle here. They're plus favorites. I, I think they have the better um, goal scorers, and I think that uh, we'll see that in this game, that that will come out and make the difference.
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to put down $100 on Newcastle as well. I think this is a game that is going to be uh, fairly even, given how uh, Fulham play. But I will say one of the primary things I saw was the lack of a – uh, John Joe Shelby really cost uh, Newcastle that midfield space that you know Calvin Phillips and everybody dominated. His comeback could be really important for this team to get going against Fulham because they also have, at the end of the day, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a very highly was a very highly rated player um, at one point and still has that ability you know to uh, take over games from time to time. So we shall see how uh, this game goes. Maybe not as boring as I originally thought, but definitely um, not as exciting as I would have wanted it to be. Brighton at minus one fifty taking on Sheffield United, where plus four fifty. The draw at plus two seventy five over under the two and a half. Brighton don't score a lot of goals. Sheffield don't concede a lot of goals. So like this seems like a match made in heaven to like just bet and pound that draw money line.
1: Yeah, I so I don't know how I feel about that because. Sheffield are one of the teams that we talked about a little bit that they're underperforming some of their underlying metrics and should have gotten some points. I mean, granted, Brighton are definitely that team as well. But, you know, like we talked about Brighton versus Fulham, they didn't really create that much in that match. And when you're a team that doesn't have great goal scores and when, when you're a team that doesn't have great goal scores and you're also not creating that many chances, I think that's really tough. Uh, I think it's really tough to overcome. And so for me, I look at a Sheffield team that I think I I don't want to get carried away and say that they're that good. I think they're decent, but I do think that they, they have the quality to take it to a team like Brighton, I think. So we'll see how this goes on the day. I'm going to go with a hundred on Sheffield here. I think that, they scored two against man united and i think that if they if they can rediscover that a little bit and keep that going i think they'll have
0: a uh, good thing going for this game yeah i mean they, they did score two against man united but like you know one was gifted by dino and the second one was you know just an absurd set piece goal for them so i i don't know how much out put in that, but I, I just don't know if Brighton can score in this game because Sheffield United at the end of the day are a very good defensive unit. They're going to make it hard for Brighton and we'll see how Brighton does. So I'm going to put down $100 on the draw as I build it up in... I think Sheffield United probably can nick this game, but at the same time, I think Brighton can as well. So uh, we shall see. In a season of thin margins, uh, this could be one of the thinnest games possible. Moving on to the next game, Tottenham Hotspur is taking on Leicester City. A game of two wounded, uh, I guess, small, big dogs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Spurs at plus 105, interesting line. Leicester at plus 265. The draw is at plus 250 the over under is at two and a half which way do you see this game go brayden do you think Mourinho kind of comes out plays balls out or do you think leicester city is about to have a bounce back
1: i mean i certainly don't think that Mourinho comes out and plays balls out that would be a uh, pretty strong divergence from his preferred style especially the spurs team i think that it's it's tough, though, because Leicester are a team that often want to counter. And so like, they will press you, but they're really looking to create quick break opportunities. And I think both of these teams are happy to let the other team kind of have the ball a little bit more. So I want to see who kind of takes the impetus and and, you know, takes the initiative to do something with that. So. I'm going to go with a hundred on the draw. I think these two teams both basically play even with there. I think Jose will probably be happy with the draw with a team that like you would have to think is around uh, their level as far as where
0: they're going to end up competing uh, for this year. I definitely agree with that. And uh, I'm going to put down a hundred on the draw as well, just because as far as this game goes, I think both teams, as you said, have a similar style of play, and they both will need to be efficient against really good defenses. Ultimately, I think that's what comes down to it. Because I don't, I don't see. I mean, Leicester not that great defensively, but uh, Spurs have, I think, the best defensive record so far. So they're going to be tough to break down. But that's what Jamie Vardy thrives on. And this is a game, though, at home. After all that talk about how you know he plays negative and all of that. Just because it's a wounded Leicester team, I, I could see Mourinho just be like, you know fuck it, let's go beat the shit out of them because he's not going to pick Bergwijn for this game. And if Bergwijn takes his chances, I think we're talking, again, as I said, different games. So $100 on the draw, but if I had to really pick, I'd probably pick Spurs to win this game. Uh, moving on to a game that this two sets of fans probably looked forward to for 14 years. That's how long they haven't been in the league. Um, I have never seen this game in the Premier League ever played, uh, so I am very, very excited. The Rose Derby is here upon us. Manchester United against Leeds United, some proper old-school rivalry. Man United at minus 150, the Leeds United at plus 370, the draw at plus 330, the over is at three and a half, pretty much tells you how shit both the defenses are. Sir, do you agree with Man United being favorites on this game? So I think Man United should be favorites, uh, but one, minus one
1: 150 and plus 370 for Leeds seems a, a bit much to me. Like I don't know the difference is that strong, but I, I do think that United should be favorites in this match. It's it's going to be interesting to me to see how exactly United cope with Leeds press because I, I do think that Leeds are going to create the like we said leads create a lot of chances they are going to be able to do that i think against united but if united can cope with it i think that they'll pretty easily put away leads in this match uh, but you know it's it's gonna be a good battle i think uh, so i'm gonna go with 125 on actually no i'm gonna go with 75 on leads in this match i think that um it, the odds kind of tip me that way because again, I I don't think that United should be a minus uh, one fifty in this match.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and I, I think the one that everyone's expecting like United to just play on the counter and Leeds having their defensive frailties out there, and you know United causing them all sorts of problems, which might very well end up happening, you know, if that game transpires as a certain way. But to give me Leeds at the odds that they have given me, I am looking at. What do Leeds really do very well? They press high really well. What does Manchester United absolutely hate playing against? It's the high press. So I don't know if uh, it's it's going to be as open, as entertaining as everyone says. I think Ole knows the importance of this game. I think the Leeds players definitely know the importance of this game. So I'm going to put down $200 on Leeds to win this game. I think it just means more for them to come to Old Trafford and win. And... As far as United go, I think the home form has been absolutely horrible so far. And I will say this, after having said all of that, and and this is where like the fan inside of me, where I want to be a little bit more optimistic. Chelsea had to essentially come and you know play defensive football in order to get that 0-0 no, no draw. Arsenal, United, both teams played like shit, but like Arsenal are a very good defensive unit. So it, it, we just had a hard time breaking them down. Manchester City came in and absolutely like went in with two defensive midfielders. And we're like, I, we're not going to get countered on. If Bielsa plays that open game though, and if the Rashfords, the Masons, the Martials, the Brunos, Pogba, if it works, this could really be a statement game for a team like Manchester United. So it, depending on how the result goes, it could really go any sort of way. And if my Crystal Palace bet comes through, where they beat Liverpool, and if United win this fucking game, dude, people in Manchester are about to go nuts. So um, we'll see how this all turns out. I, I'm not really, as a fan, uh, I know I'm a little bit more pessimist than a lot of other fans, but I'm just, I'm just not very confident in us being able to play against a team as good as Leeds. Having said that, always at the wheel, man. Who the fuck knows what's how we're gonna feel. Uh, over under though i have not seen a three and a half in a very long time and i i think th- this is one of those games where if you get like even odds i would take the over in this situation because it, 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 you could see a lot of goals
1: i think that's fair both these teams can create chances and score and so i and Leeds have had a pretty leaky defense overall this year so i i can see the over hitting on this um I do agree, though. You've got to watch the odds because <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, uh, I wouldn't take it at a minus, certainly. And I, I'm actually, now that you mentioned it, I'm going to look this up. Uh, so it's plus
0: 115 uh, for the over. Oh, bet that over. <laughs> bet that over. I'm telling you, If if you think Leeds are going to win this game or even at that point, if you think United's going to win this game, both the teams are going to concede for sure in this game. And After that, all bets are off. What happens? So I will bet that over. I'm going to bet that over personally. So uh, we shall see. And by personally, I mean like, you know, offshore accounts and all of that shit. Uh, Moving on to the next game. West Brom at plus 270, taking on Aston Villa at minus 105. I wish there were fucking plus favorites in this. Draw is at plus 280. Over-under is at two and a half. Sir, do you see a problem with Aston Villa coming up or do you think it's going to be easy? For them with uh, West Brom and their problems right now.
1: Yeah, so I I don't shy away from Villa in this game. And, and I kind of wonder about West Brom because you kind of have to wonder how the players feel about getting the draw against Man City and then the manager getting sacked anyways. I, I I don't know. like I don't know this is going to be the new manager bounce situation that we usually talk about when managers get fired. So we'll have to wait and see about that. I'm not sure. Um, so... I'm going to go with 175 on Villa here. I know they're my favorites. I don't really love to do that, but I think they're a better team, and I think that they'll exploit uh, this West Brom team.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I'm going to put down $100 on Aston Villa as well. Uh, I think they're just the better team. West Brom, if they play open against the team that Aston Villa has, could be very, very dangerous for them. So um, I I don't anticipate a whole lot going into that. So Aston Villa, firm favorites for me as well in this game. Burnley taking on Wolverhampton Wonders. Wolves plus favorites in this game at plus 120. Burnley at plus 255. Sorry. Draw at plus 215. Over-unders at uh, two. So, that it kind of is telling that Wolves, if they win, I think would win 1-0 in this game. What do you think? Burnley, are they about to pull off one of those upsets and Wolves going to play down to their competition or you think... Wolves are seemingly finding something going on for them right now. I have got to think that Wolves are going to pull something out in this
1: game because I just, I'm still not a believer in this Burnley team, you know, even after they beat Arsenal, you know, whatever, we'll throw that match aside and then got the nil-nil draw in midweek. Um, I, I'm still not really a believer that they've turned that much around uh, because, I mean, they didn't, they scored through all conceding an own goal but they didn't really score themselves in either of those matches and i'm just i'm not really a believer in them i think wolves can score i'm going with 150 on wolves in this game i'm not touching the over under on this usually when i see two i i'm interested but i do think that both of these teams generally play conservative and i I can easily see a one nil in this game
0: yeah i definitely agree with that i'm gonna put down a hundred dollars on wolves uh, in this game as well because i think overall they just seem to be better and i will say this that burnley might give them some trouble on those set pieces and shit but wolves should have just enough quality in my opinion to come out on top in this game moving on to the last game of the weekend chelsea taking on a west ham united a nice welcome back for declan rice before he joins them on a transfer Chelsea at minus 205, West Ham at plus 550, the draw at plus 265, the over unders at three. I feel like minus 205 is giving Chelsea a bit too much credit, and plus 550 is a bit too harsh on West Ham United. I agree with both of those.
1: I, I think a lot of this is about the name of Chelsea um, and, and that impacting the line heavily uh, in that direction. Uh, I, which isn't to say that Chelsea can't win. Of course they can. They probably should win this match, uh, but you know, Chelsea is a team that West Ham, it, it often sees, seems that they dig a little bit more into. And so, um, I don't think that West Ham win this match, but I'm going with 50 on the draw. I think that they're playing just well enough that they might be able to stifle, um, what Chelsea try to do offensively and be able to, uh, a result from it.
0: Yeah, I definitely could see that. I'm going to put down $100 on West Ham in this game. I think just because of the line, to be honest with you, like no offense, Chelsea fans, but minus 205 for a team that isn't as consistent, I don't really like taking. And I think West Ham United just have enough quality to give them trouble if they really show up. And to be fair to David Morris and West Ham, they've done a good job so far, you know, against a bigger team Like and... It, it, the united and chelsea i'd say are similar given where they are currently and chelsea uh, and united barely won against them having to come back from uh one no down at the time i think so it, this could be one of those games but it's at home it'll be interesting uh with fans there with two thousand of them what they can do at the bridge but Actually, never mind. There won't won't be fans, right? Because they moved London to phase three. Yeah, whatever. London got moved back, so there are no fans. Oh well, well, sucks for y'all, Chelsea fans. Um, anyway, that kind of brings us to an end for this week's or this weekend's upcoming games podcast. We will be back next week. We'll try to get out our content the way we can. Um, it will be very hectic. We're gonna promise to cover everything possible. But if we aren't regular, please, uh, well, um, then you should really just go out and tell your friends. And so that more subscribers, more listeners, then we can do this for a full-time job. Then you can get even more content. So there you go. If you feel bad for not having content, make us more popular. Give us those five-star reviews and uh, leave any other comments, questions, or cries of outrage that you can in the comment section on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. Having said that, that's it for me and Brayden, and we will see you on the other side. Cheers. All right.